Hey you, are you new in town? Do you wanna hang out, see the sights or a sunrise? Hey you, are you feeling down? Do you wanna lay around, have a break and some advice? Oh, it's easy having pals running around while we're living. Oh, it's easy having pals. Come on down, have a listen. Well, howdy. Welcome to the fifth episode of It's Easy Having Pals. I'm your pal, Bianca, and uh, in this episode, I'm chatting with my dear friend, Betty. We met at group meditation, and um, she delights me. She is so sweet. She is so funny. She is so unique. She's creative and... um, insightful and intuitive and and every time we get together to talk I always walk away feeling cleansed and like I'm ready to take on the next moment you know with with fresh with fresh eyes um so I'm very thankful to know her and um I'm glad to call her pal and I'm so glad that we got together to chat and that we get I get to share that with you now. Um, so I just, uh, I do just want to let you know that towards the end of the episode, we discuss, um, we discuss the death of pets. Um, not too long ago, one of my pets, a hairless rat named Bucket, died suddenly and, um, it was deeply upsetting to say the least um and uh betty really helped me process it and then that's on the recording and you can hear it but you know that kind of thing can can be painful to listen to so if you're not in a place to be able to listen to that kind of talk just keep an ear out and uh you know Maybe skip ahead a few minutes when we start to get into that kind of conversation. Um, Also, we talk about Betty's art, which you can see on the show's Instagram at It's Easy Having Pals. Check it out. It's really wonderful. So go have a peek. And also, also, uh, I'm slowly figuring out how to work uh, all this editing stuff. So uh, there's music at the end. Surprise. Look, I'm getting better. Practice makes a podcast, you guys. So, uh, there you have it. And, um, I guess without further ado, we'll get into the conversation. Thanks for listening, and, uh, get comfy, get cozy, hunker down, and listen up to this episode with my sweet friend, Betty. In life in general, I plan and worry, and then nothing that I plan and worry for happens. Indeed. And it always either ends up being way better than I thought it was going to be, or something happens that I wasn't expecting and I learn a really important lesson. Yes. And so I want to bring that practice to my conversations. Yeah, that's great. That's a good reminder for me because it reminds me that in all of the imaginings that I've encountered over my decades, 
I realized, I came to understand that I could never, I didn't have the capacity to envision what wonder might unfold. Mm -hmm. I was very, like many of us, you know, I could tell dark and scary stories, um, which never happened, <laughs> which never happened. Yeah. Um, but, but the fine things, you know, it, and, and this time of my life, I was reflecting on this this morning. I'm going to weep a lot, but... That's cool. Me too. Good. You know, and um, I just... Um, kind of sometimes I want to get involved and kind of direct traffic in my sister's life or my daughter's, uh, both who at times, like we all do, have hard times. And then I realize, again, that it's... It's not my business, although I love both of them deeply, but I really am not skilled enough to to know how and what to advise. Really, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it's curious to me because you're um, when you did the Reiki. Um, I experienced that. The first thing I experienced was this. Um, not a pressure, but a, a feeling from, it was like an inside out, outside in pressure mm -hmm. up in here, but it had that color to it. The maroon, like the red? No, the, the blue, gray. Oh, interesting. And, and so the, the whole experience was pretty much color um, coded, if you will. Mm. So, and, and then I, um, surprisingly, I got really frightened at one point, and I don't know if what even, I just felt fear. And then I was glad when you, uh, when you touched me. Well, I was startled when you touched me first. I remember mm -hmm. that. That surprised me. And then, um, but then when you went two points at a time, I felt really uh, myself settling in, and the and then when you when you got to this right knee, this is my my most injured. Mm -hmm. Place and I, I, um, I went so deep inside, so deep inside there. F again, from the inside out, to it. In fact, it was that purple. Mm -hmm. It was that purple. Now that I think of it, but, um, and I. That's when I began to weep because I had such friendliness toward it. Mm -hmm. You know, not. And I felt like we were there together, and we were healing that. Mm -hmm. And that was wonderful. I appreciate that. So, yeah, knees and feet are two of my like favorite places to work because, like, I don't know. There, I like it the best when I'm getting Reiki and the practitioner puts their hands on my knees and then just like, especially when you're on the table and they like cup the two sides of your feet. Oh. It's so grounding. Yes. And I, yeah, I really love that. And so, yeah, usually when I work on people, I'll, like, just place my hands near their shoulders mm -hmm. to begin with, so our, like, energies can get mm -hmm. used to each other. And um, sometimes it takes a while for me to feel that sort of, like, meshing, like, welcome. Right. You know, I'm ready sort of energy. But, I mean, we know each other. Yes. I feel like we vibe. Absolutely. So um, that came pretty quickly. And then I was working here, like, with my hands on either side of your head. And sometimes it takes a while for me to really feel the Reiki energy, but it came um, pretty much right away. And it like it felt yeah. like first like it was passing between mm -hmm. my hands, and then like it was going around. Yeah, your it was head. it was amazing. I I felt that it felt I felt it as vibratory mm -hmm. um, through that throughout the practice. You know, uh, so 
I'm not surprised we connected. I mean, I, I, at the time, I didn't really think about how I, I felt I was aware of you and not. That's an odd kind of an experience, you know. It's not as though getting a massage, for instance, a hands-on. Mm-hmm. That's a different experience. But this is, um, I don't even know that I have words to describe that interaction. Yeah. But it's felt in any case. And in this case, it was very colorful as well, we went through. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I, and it makes sense. I understand what you're saying about being there and not because Reiki is like I'm not I'm just a pathway right you know so you're right like you know it was me and it wasn't yes yes so pretty fun huh? yeah that's so cool so much fun yeah the color thing is interesting you're not the first person to mention is that right deep blues yeah yeah yeah, so there you are mm-hmm. so that's part of you right I don't know if it's me or if because like that color is Oh, is if you think about it, like chakras. Uh huh. Isn't that like it's up here? Yeah. Right. Which I've been told when I got my akashic reading that my hold my energy very much up here up there. and to work on bringing it down. Oh, really? Yeah, but that is like a the very spiritual yeah there is color right. you know. So I wonder if it is my vibes or if it is like the color of Reiki. Right. Well, last night when on the Zoom meditation, um, germs did. I had never, I'd done chakra cleansing or whatever whatever you want to call it. He called them energy centers. Um, and I had not, or I don't remember, doing the eighth, the eighth chakra. Mm, the one that's like above. It's up here, which, yeah. is that, which is that first color, which has a sort of almost luminescent blue silver aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what was the first sense color-wise of you. I called it that color, but that was the first sense. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, this opening more and more as I declutter. Mm. I mean, I've always had this, but life happens. We're raising kids, and I was raising my children and working. I had wonderful businesses that I loved, and very engaged in that, and caring for elderly parents. But the more... So I've always had these kinds of experiences. Now I have such time and space mm. for them and now going to the the in-person mindful meditation a venue if you will to share it out and that's it's a little bit awkward because sometimes they're so strange but it's so much fun yeah it's so much fun mm-hmm. so and yeah it is fun and I always love to hear what you have to do say you after our meditations. Yeah. yeah and I feel like the people that come regularly there's such a like lovely little bubble, you exactly. know, between all of us, and I feel like even when you say wild things, we're all like, "Oh, absolutely, <laughs> that's great." I was there for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's there's a really powerful energy there yeah. when we are there together. It's, it's. Uh, and the fact that we all kind of always sit in the same places, yes, so it yes. makes this like. Bit yes, of exactly. Yeah. 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 It's really wonderful. When I was practicing uh, Tai Chi on a regular basis, and we were, we were sort of the rebels uh, at the beginning. Well, for the first couple of years of the pandemic, because our organization really, um, how should I say, banned that. I mean, they just said, "Do not practice. We don't want anybody to get COVID." And in any case, there were some rebels of us. I 
and two other women, and I ended up being the one who stayed the longest to just lead the practice in the park, mm-hmm. day in and day out, and through sleet and snow and all of that, you know. But my point is that there, as well, at times, we would practice the set, a set, 20, uh, together, and it was just like, you said a bubble, I think, but there's this energetic, this energy that circulates, and it's just like, it's like a, a almost harmonic, mm. uh, energetic thing that it's it's energy, I guess, yeah. in a circular way. That's like, you weren't there, I think, the night that, it, that they set it up square. I was. You were. Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that was, that disturbed me. Yeah, I at first was like very pleased because it was very symmetrical, oh, but then right. once I sat down, I was like, this does not feel right. Ah, really? Yeah. Actually, which is odd because I do. I mean, I'm almost upset, obsessed with plumb level and, and square, but um, anyway, so I mean, I do like corners a lot. Oh, I love a good corner. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I exactly. absolutely do. I went <laughs> on a walk yesterday with my camera. Um, oh, yeah, okay, a few things reminded me of other things that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, but that kind of reminded me of um, this movie that's really important to me that I've been thinking about a lot recently. It's called Columbus. Oh, I don't know. Um, I might have told you about it because you're into architecture. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, my friend showed it to me. He called it Transmissions from a Gentler Place. And um, it, it was just about, you know, people and architecture. Oh, that's right. Right, yeah. right. That movie is so grounding. It really opened my eyes to noticing the things around me, like the buildings and stuff in the city that I grew up in that I'd never noticed before. And so yesterday I went on a walk with my camera, and and I would just, like, take pictures. And I really love good corners. I like to line them up in the middle of the frame, and I really love the way they, like, look against sky. Yeah. You know? Isn't it awesome? I know. Mm -hmm. I like that, too. Yeah. I do. I get... I have a space in the back bedroom there. I have a, a plant that needed a home. I tried it out here. My, it didn't work. I've got a, anyway, this, this fern I need help with, but it was my mom's and it's just giving up. It's just giving up finally. It's probably 25 years old. Mm. But um, this other plant I moved back there and it has a structure in it and then on the outside is it's in front of a window. There's a chair beside it. Behind it is is a sort of a tree of some sort, but all of the verticals mm. and the horizontals are part of a pattern, mm-hmm. you know. And and I when you said that lining it up, and I know I can adjust it and I can make an adjustment, but as I take the photo, I like to align it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this house I enjoy because I I like outside corners as well. Um, as inside corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is such a great space. It really, like, the feng shui, you immaculate. Think? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good in here. I had the pleasure of cleaning for us. Mm-hmm. Um, for so many years while I was running my business, uh, the, the longest business that I owned, um, I had someone come in and clean, and then I somewhere along the line I decided that that I really had to do that I had to pay someone to clean my home and I was only recently as I've been really budgeting 
I just do it myself. <laughs> and it's so pleasurable. But it's that whole slowing down, mm-hmm. you know, slowing down and and just doing it with pleasure, Yeah, I guess. Or whatever it is. It was all pleasurable. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I so often like to time my, like, big house cleaning with uh, a moon phase. Oh. And I, I love a good ritual. So I'll, like, spend the day, I'll open the windows, I'll burn candles and incense, I'll clean everything really well, and I'll change the sheets. What and a then, great idea. Yeah, and then that night I'll take a shower and I'll wash my hair yes. and everything, and that's always an event. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then I like to do, like, a card pull. And it yes, just yes. feels like a fresh new start and, like, a tarot, go. A tarot deck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, that's awesome. something I like to do regularly. With what phase? The new moon? What, um, or well, they all have purpose. Like new moons are very good for fresh starts. I don't know much about. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're good for fresh starts. They're good for um, like putting things into motion. Um, it's a good jumping off point. And then full moons are good for reflection. Oh. They're good for like nourishing and. Um, reviewing uh and yeah because yeah. i say hello to moon whenever i see yeah, her you me know too. yeah like yeah girl. <laughs> i do i do and as you know sometimes it's just like mind-blowing right yeah and uh, i indeed get sunrise here that is just fucking spectacular <laughs> with clouds and whatever um so but i don't know the cycles although again so much of how I live in my life is almost not knowing and then just moving through intuitively. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that you brought to me, um, when I, I don't know if I, how I expressed it to you that I had anxiety maybe over what would we talk yeah. about, even I said it today. And you remind me that it's just, we're just here and we're just doing it. And yeah. it doesn't have to be a script, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though I think I'm way past need for script, guess what? Mm. Still, right? Well, that's kind of cool, too, though. It's like, you know, I feel like I spend a lot of time with imaginary obstacles. Like, once I've achieved this, healed this, Ah. uh, acquired this, moved past this, then I can start living my life. And so it's kind of comforting to know that that notion, like may not ever really That's go away right um and that it's still not real like of course you know that's both um, i know there's either or black and white thinking and all of that but both really is a huge wonderful concept and it's for me it's very round and very supportive and what you just said fits into that for me mm-hmm. it may never I, I may never be different on that and that's both, of yeah, course. Yeah, both and. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's good, huh? Mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I gotta stretch. Stretch. It's happening. It's happening. I always get so hot when I'm doing Reiki. Do you? Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, my God, if, as a conduit, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot coming through. Right? Yeah, my hands get really hot, and then I know we're really cooking when I'm like, I am sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel that coming? Is it is it from, does is there a source? Is it coming from above, or how is it for you? Um, that's a good question. 
I would really like to work more with it. Mm. I have really fallen out of any sort of practice. I think there's part of me mm. that feels afraid that if I were really to jump in and like follow the intuition to meditate more and like work with clairvoyance and all of that stuff, like I, I know that that's a really good path for me. I think I'm a little bit scared of like how my life might change, yes. even though I know it would probably be for you know, the better. Right. Um, so yeah, I would love to meditate with it more. I generally feel it most in my hands. Uh Um, oh, I meant to tell you, you mentioned there was something that you said at the meditation on Tuesday about like feeling inside of a a bubble Mm -hmm. in the room or something. Mm -hmm. And I meant to tell you that I always channel Reiki during the meditations. I don't do it on people without consenting, right. but when I'm in meetings and, and group meditations and stuff like that, I like to, like, I'll do it on myself while I'm meditating, right. and then I like to just sort of imagine it coming from my heart and just filling the room, and whoever needs that energy will, t- can you know, take from it, and it will, like, cleanse, and... Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's that what... That's cool that, that you, like, perfect. you, like, sensed it a little Yes, bit. and you know, that was the second... Because the other time was the inside of the shell. Mm. That was another circular, uh, very circular, not confining at all, but fluid and smooth and lovely. Oh, well, thanks for contributing. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Or however, whatever word verb we want to use there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. So do you attend a lot of meetings, do you? Um, I used to attend a lot more. Mm -hmm. I think when I first started my recovery journey, I would just kind of go to whatever seemed to be prevalent. Um, And various ones stopped serving me as much. Yes. As well as there are a few that I think I feel... (sighs) It's difficult because, like, all of my vices and pain are like other people related rather than substance um as in coda other people yeah yeah yeah. um i've worked with love addiction yes um oh boy yeah ACA meetings you know and so there I think I go through phases where being in those environments is really helpful sometimes I feel like I have some really beautiful transmissions Mm -hmm. to share with people there Um, but then I get really in my head like who am I to oh my god Um, I'm just some guy but I gotta tell you guys it's all love I remembered (laughs) exactly Um, yeah so yeah I feel like um, Mm. CODA is where like what serves me the best Um, and I do as much work as I can outside of meetings as well yeah Yeah. I did a lot when I first got sober alcohol was my drug and um, well it it used to be speed and alcohol and then I just gave up speed and just concentrated focused on alcohol (laughs) and um, so I did a lot of meetings in the in the beginning and Mm -hmm. it was as I think I told you an an hour Alano Club down in San Jose, but but after about 15 years, I withdrew, but then I was also, I got into a relationship yet. I've been in four marriages, four primary committed relationships, two legal marriages and two otherwise, but committed, and um, 
my last partner. And none of them lasted longer than eight years. So I have this sort of cycle, uh, which, you know, Chopra talks about, this the cycling. I don't know if we talked about that, mm -hmm. cellular cycling. Um, but where am I going? But then when I was in that relationship with my partner, Bernie, he was using, he, and I didn't, I was, so I had to go to, I had to go to CODA and I had to go to Al-Anon actually and, and a woman in it, and it was making me fucking crazy, you know, because it's that dilemma where I was sensing that he was using and he was denying that he was mm -hmm. and I was believing but not and ultimately he, um, I found, he overdosed on heroin so I found him in the bedroom when I came home from work, you know, with the needle and he had two girls and it was very traumatic and yeah. that was the and so then after that I, I went and did more coda and then when I moved up here I part of choosing this house was I mean I go here uh, on the on that but part of choosing this house had to do with I met a neighbor my daughter-in-law and I were casing the neighborhood so to speak to find out how was it living on the trail you know yeah. And um, oh, the man two doors down, God, he came to the door and he was just like gorgeous. He had white hair and he had a ponytail and he was tan and big and kind. And I fell in love immediately and I thought, this is destiny, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, but it did take me to Coda again up here. Uh, so, I mean, it has a good, uh, I, that's where I, I struggle in that. Mm -hmm. So in and out. And I don't know how I, we can go back. I. I don't know how I landed in these meditations. Oh, I, I was talking with germs last night about that. I don't know how I got there, but there I am. You know, I mean, something, I, I don't know. I haven't been to the Alana Club, this Alana Club for probably six years. Huh. Which is odd, but it's just like some blank space in me that is like I wonder how that I must have gone online and then seen the mind of yeah. mindful meditation and that appealed to me because mm -hmm. uh, I do a lot of guided meditation on my own through YouTube primarily yeah it's very very helpful mm -hmm. yeah that's so cool yeah. that must be some kind of divine intervention if yeah you just appeared there <laughs> and then germs last night says yeah, I brought you and Bianca. I said, Bianca's coming over today. He said, yeah, I brought you guys together. <laughs> I said, thanks. <laughs> Honestly, he's done so much for my life. Has um, he? Yeah, he's really great. Um, he got me my first commission. He did? Yeah, because he threw this oh. par party that he called um, Inspirer's Party. Um, where he like invited all the people that inspire him so we could meet each other and inspire each other. What a great idea. Yeah. And I met this really great couple, um, Johnny and Linda, and they were wearing matching tie-dye, and they had some property up in Washington, and they were really into bears, and they were like, do you want to come Get paint out. a thing? And really? Like, sure, I'll come paint your thing. Um, and so like I a mural? Her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, I painted a giant bear on the side of like a work shed on their property so oh how fun yeah yeah when you told me that you'd done commissioned work I just was like wow that's so cool <laughs> that is so cool well mm -hmm. that must feel so good at the same time I think it would feel uh, I anyway would feel really anxious about that mm -hmm. right yeah but, I've only done a few so far um, 
and I like the ones I think the most meaningful one was uh, like a friend of a friend who's also been on the podcast um, we got together this was after I'd done the bear like they mm-hmm. were very specific we want a bear they had like reference photos can you do something kind of like this oh and I, I like, see sure, okay. no problem um, and that was a tough project like I was in kind of a weird place in my brain like I had just turned 27 and was like kind of in a dark spot Mm -hmm. and while I was doing it like just I felt so much self-doubt and self-criticism and was really like Mm. like I'll never this isn't coming out how I want it to Mm. like a lot of clenching a lot of fear a lot of grief like very familiar from when I was a young kid wow these old feelings came up I actually um there's this podcast that actually really helped me in my recovery journey it's called the mental illness happy hour oh yeah they have a um, it's really good you'd probably really like it um the the host is a comedian um he's very funny and uh yeah they just have very open conversations with all kinds of people and that's where i started to learn the language for things and like hear other people's stories and be like oh that really resonates maybe i should and he is also a huge advocate of support groups yes that's why i started exploring that but on his website he's got various surveys that people can fill out anonymously Uh um and i filled out one while i was working on that mural that he read on the air he i think he likes mine um yeah really yeah uh he likes to put music behind them um Uh and uh, i can play it for you later it's it was really like just heavy stuff so that was rough and once what I found that once I sort of leaned into that feeling instead of like thinking I was doing it wrong and pushing it away I like put on music that I would listen to when I was an angsty teenager and it really started to like influence my brush strokes and I ended up coming out with like this very I mean it's a tie-dye bear so it's not exactly lifelike but it's I think it's got a lot of movement and a lot of personality and that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't if I hadn't just been like take me no exactly Um, go to the dark place mm -hmm. right I, I think that's what I'm hearing yeah 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 um, and it was scary, but it, you know, of course. It was, I didn't. I needed to do it. But then I got this other commission. It was a painting for someone's house, and she didn't have anything in particular that she wanted. It the really the only like parameters to work within was. She was has, it through that group that that group the germs? No, no, it was, it was separate. Uh, yeah, it was a okay. friend of a friend. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. Yeah, she, the only thing was that she had some wallpaper that had very specific colors. She didn't want it to really clash. Oh, okay. So we sat down, and I talked with her, and I was like, send me music that really resonates you with you. Like, yes. what what kind of things really, like, are important to you? And right. she talked a lot to me about that. And she this one phrase in particular really stood out was, be where your feet are. I, that's yeah. the one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so I ended up, I came up with the, I, like, ended up, gluing two canvases together and doing this whole thing and she really really loved it and I really liked that like I yeah it was really cool to yeah yeah take what she'd given me and turn it into something That's great visual what a what a task I think I I've worked with an analyst for many years and um, let me see how do I want to tell us this this is a recent phenomenon in my life so while I've fiddled, I 
say fiddle to make to minimize. I don't like that I did that. But when I've I've made art mm-hmm. all my life. I, I did a little bit of art school. I have an art minor from Berkeley. Always, always, always just heavy, heavy criticism. Mm-hmm. Not good enough, and you know, just endless. And um, could not, would not even put things up. And now, when I came to Portland. I have been able to do that, to, to hang my work and to and to enjoy it. And when I was talking with my analyst, well, maybe maybe a year ago. So mind you, this is pretty late in in my life. Mm. And she said, well, she said, you know, your art expresses what's inside you. And I said, no, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> no, no, of course not. Now that you have to fit that into this other aspect of me, and I think I've alluded to it, but. It wasn't till I was um, probably in my forties, mid forties, late forties, and I was in in therapy one day, and it was couch work, and I said, "Holy shit, I have legs!" I had been so disconnected from my body mm. for my all my life, even into sobriety. So, journeying back in, and then she pointed out, and there's a piece in my bedroom. Uh, that was really profound when she said, oh, well, your work expresses. I said, no, it doesn't. I, you know, I can't, I don't reach in and, and and then put it out. But that piece, one day I was in there, it's a very peaceful piece. I'd like to show it to you. Did you do that yellow one? Did yes. You? I like that one. The big one, yeah. 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 And the, the piece at the bottom is, uh, it has an interesting story. I think it is, and it's remindful, so I keep it. My daughter made that, and when I was divorced, I had two small children. They were uh, five and a half and three. And I was working, I was working, their dad was supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he gave me some child support and the kids would see him. But um, I was working for another, I was working managing a glass company and I, I just didn't really like working for that company. And they said, well, we're going to move, Betty, it was two brothers. We're moving and we're going to a new building and we're going to have a whole different image and we're going to dress up every day. And I thought, I don't think I want to dress up because when I was going to co- when I was in college, I did take a summer job once where I had to wear high heels and that was I was done with that. Yeah. So I said, no, I don't think so. And they said, well, we'll give you as an incentive, we'll give you a brand new Volkswagen bus, which I had always mm. wanted. And I said, that's tempting. But anyway, I talked it over with my kids, who were by then probably a couple years older than three and a half and five, or five and a half and three. And um, and instead, and they and instead, I went out and I bought this old ratty ass, rusted out old Volkswagen bus, and I became a gardener. And that was Lissa's represent my daughter's representation. <laughs> they said, "No, mom, do it. Buy the old, you know, get the old bus. Be a gardener." So I would, I made little cards, put them up at the laundromat and places, and that was my journey into self-employment and following my heart through working, and it was just wonderful. So I remember this, you know. Yeah, it's, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was, it's a good reminder of, and that with with my daughter. I dreamed, I knew the night I conceived her, I dreamed that, that night I dreamed that she was a girl and that she came out, she was born, and that we conversed, we began our conversation. Mm. And, and it's ever thus, you mm. know, it's ever thus. 
even though there were so many years that I didn't trust that she really loved me. Isn't that the saddest? Yeah. I don't know much. I don't. I don't really need to know much more about it than to acknowledge that. Yeah. That's a deep, deep un- uncertainty and insecurity. Mm-hmm. So. But I'm, I'm over that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. My mom said that she had a dream about me too. She did. Yeah. She said that she dreamt that a little girl with blonde curls was running down the hall. Um, really? She knew that was me. Yes. Yeah. Were you blonde when you were young? I yes. was very, very blonde. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking a lot about motherhood lately. Okay. I It has never really appealed to me. The idea of... It just, it just like, doesn't sound right for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Um... And it really, I was talking to a friend um, last night about it, like, gender and Mm. feminine energy and, like, womanhood and, like, motherhood, they all seem very, Mm. not foreign to me, but, like, there's some stuff I need to, like, work through there in some way, because... As far as gender goes, like, I present very feminine. That's mm-hmm. just, like, how I look. That's fine. Like, how other people perceive mm-hmm. me is none of my business. I know that I dress according to how it feels on my body. Just, yes. Not really, you know, if it happens to look like an outfit better. Right. Um, and I, as far as my hair goes, like, it's either very, very long or very, very short. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Or growing out. Great. Yeah. Yes. And I, right now, I just really like the way it feels, uh-huh. like, down my back. I'm very happy with how, like, the sensation of ha- having hair this long. But, like, I don't know, this, like, I think there's something really important about acknowledging everyone having masculine and feminine energy oh, uh, inside absolutely. of them. absolutely. That's really, you know, you know, that's nature. Um, and at the same time, I'm, like, th- I'm neither in both. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, I'm fine with that, you know? I'm, I'm kind of just working this out like, as it. I'm talking to you about it, you know? But then when other people are involved, you know, like I'm dating and I'm like, do you want kids? I don't really want kids. And it doesn't sound good for me and my body. Like, oh, you know, right. that it's, gender is just so entwined in our experience and, and I don't think we have enough language to be able to accurately communicate all the nuances of like being a, a being exactly um, and it gets so tricky and then it really makes me like doubt myself and be like should I like ch- do I need to change something I'm like um, <laughs> I hear you yeah there, there isn't language for yeah. it and, and this where we are gender wise clearly there isn't language for it and mm-hmm. it's been motherhood has been so couched so uh, you know it's it has a container mm-hmm. and has for however long whatever I anyway bought into it but that's where I think and that's where I think I have to just get loose in my brain and get it that like um, it's neither masculine nor feminine I think and I uh, 
was you, but you bring this up, I hadn't really thought of it in this context, but because many of the jobs I held, even at Berkeley, when I, after I graduated, I held a couple of jobs there that were, because they were all structured in their classification. And they were typically, or not typically, I was the first woman to hold these two different positions mm. in the whole history. And then I went on to do construction, landscape work and things. That, and even when I sold windows for somebody else, there had not been any women doing that. And then ultimately broke out on my own. But the point I'm, I'm making there is I have such a strong masculine piece as well. And I'd not really thought about how that allowed me to be my own kind of mom, mm. you know? Yeah. It, it did, and of course raising kids on my own, and then the point I'm making to you is, I'm really glad to hear you thinking about that and, and trying to find a language that accommodates both, Yeah, right? I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think Ram Dass was like, one of the ones that was like a little bit of both. I'm a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't such a big deal, you know. I wish that. I wish that that sort of definition of being didn't matter as much as it seems to. You know, there's like feminine ideals of beauty and oh, masculine ideals of beauty and like right. you know boxes and stuff to fit in and and exactly. it's. it's I'm perfectly fine to just be like, it's none of my business. I'm just doing my thing. I have better things to worry about. Right. But when it comes down to like trying to explain myself to other people, that is part oh, of it. And right. it's, you know, there are a, luckily a lot of people in my life who are happy to be like, you're just Bianca. Like, yeah. You're not, you know. One or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's just tricky and I think I mean puberty was horribly traumatizing for me that like change into what was oh puberty oh god yeah yeah. oh right yeah because then all of a sudden like I was not a free being anymore and you were aware of that as you I think very subconsciously I I mean like sensory wise there was like so many new things to be dealing with and I hated it like I just wanted to go ride my bike and like be a regular now I had so much more to worry about but at the same time like people in my life started treating me differently I wasn't just a free being anymore I I was like a sexual being now even though I was just a kid like you have now you have to worry about boys and like you have to carry things in your backpack and like bra strap snapping and it was just like oh, I can't no. can't I just like live my life yeah. I think why can't I just put a t-shirt on and be right and go run up a hill that's what I want to yes. do um yeah. so that was really frustrating to deal with and I think something that I just think I realized while we were talking was another thing about motherhood is like I think I've given so much of my life so far to monitoring myself around other people and making like caring for other people and in an unhealthy way in a very codependent way that the thought like I'm just now starting to figure out who I am without the context of other people's energy affecting the way I behave I see and so the thought of like having a child and that sort of becoming my job for a little while right. sounds terrifying yeah, yeah. like I don't even know who I am by myself right yet, and how I can be how that person alone 
can translate into relationships and remain like stable and grounded you know without losing myself and other people I think that's a perfect place that you are I think that's brilliant I mean you're really honestly where you are and and my experience of parenthood of course understand that I didn't get sober till my daughter was uh, 12 and my son then three and a half two and a half years younger so there was uh, I was a functioning alcoholic uh, but there was also the emotional separation as a result of my alcoholism which took years even and that is part of that insecurity that deep insecurity um, so I think for you to be aware now before is fabulous you know you're right you're like in the light and you're looking so I don't think it's easy but well done thank you yeah. I really appreciate that when I got my Akashic Records read, she was like, do you want kids? And I was like, no. And she's like, that's interesting. You know, she told me that I have a very loving being, like, mm-hmm. waiting around to be my child, if that's a decision that I, that I want oh, to make. Oh. Which is, like, a fascinating concept, because, oh, well, that's great. Like, what a hopeful thing. Sure. But also, at the same time, like, if I decide not to have a child, is this being going to be upset with me for not giving it a human you catch it later. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just interesting. But I'm, like, I don't know that my friends are... Actually, I have friends that are, like, all over the age, age spectrum. Yeah. I have some friends who are divorced and have kids and adult kids and, you know, it's wild but that I just I I think I'm I don't know I wonder if there's part of me that's reliving my teenage years without all the horrendous pain because right now when people are like I'm pregnant and they're my age I'm like oh no what are you gonna do like oh yeah we're adult women oh interesting what an insight can you play with it Yeah, yeah yeah it's like yeah, I don't know. I think my teenage years felt so heavy that I didn't get to experience that sort of, I don't know, reckless freedom in a way that felt alive. Right. Um, and so I, I'm sure there's parts of me that still, I mean, we all have our inner child right. and our inner teenager and our inner yes, parent yes. and all of that stuff. And um, I think I'm reconnecting with those younger versions of me because um, for the longest time I felt very disconnected especially from my child self you know and so the more that I'm sort of connecting there and living in that space I think when people encounter normal late 20s yes. um, what's milestones I'm like what? we're not old enough to oh, be getting married oh, of course of course <laughs> yeah right of course um, so what year in sobriety are you? I won yeah, I started really diving into recovery in, like, late July, August of last year. So, for me, it's only relevant, I asked the question, only because I was wondering, it in, in cyclic terms, you know, in, in my time, we used to talk about an emotional um, age uh, when we came in and how we grew through that, so... That's just what came to my mind about you're you're there. I mean, you're going through those teen, that puberty, those years. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You you bring to me this wonderful awareness that 
My sister and I talk about it. And when I was a teen, we moved, I was in the seventh grade, end of the seventh grade, we moved from San Francisco across the bay to this kind of posh neighborhood. I didn't know it was a posh neighborhood, but that's where the doctors and dentists lived. Mm. And I went to school in Richmond, which was down in the flat, and multicultural, a lot of black people, and and uh, Mexican people, and I just always had friends there and wanted to bring them home, and my mother just was like, no, don't do that. But what happened is I got really popular, and I, I didn't know how to do that. It mm. made me, I, I would get out and go out of my body all the time, like riding the bus. But at the same time, every summer, we went for a whole summer to our cabin, which my family built with our hands in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Wow. And it was there that I could explore my freedom mm. and be that free girl. I mean, there were no, my, my dad would only come on the weekends and we had no, I guess we had a clock and a record player, you know. But, I mean, we had no schedule. We could go down to our little lake and swim when we wanted and and go sneak out at night and walk in the woods with our pals and smoke cigarettes and all of that. So I was able to really explore that back in the city. It was a different story. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing about a teen girl and the boys would come up and rip off, open my shirt during oh. volleyball, like, fuck you, asshole. But I didn't have the... I didn't know I could say that. Yeah. You know, or mm -hmm. punch him. I have still I have this just under the surface I have this rage. Oh yes. <laughs> I Absolutely. do. It's like, how dare you? Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden they think they have a right to our body. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. And that was the whole culture as well. And my mom in those days we had to wear a girdle. Imagine that. Imagine that a girl, 14 years old. I probably weighed 100 pounds. And the whole idea of being fat, which I wasn't. And mm. Anyway. Um, hmm. Which is, that in and of itself is wild. Like, it there is. are worse things to be than soft. Exactly. <laughs> what a different, that's right. That's right. I prefer to be soft. Yeah. 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 It's, uh... Yeah, this this idea of I think city femininity yes um, in the context of your story is very you're supposed to be palatable and small and attractive, attractive at all absolutely. times and so I'm really as I'm like settling into myself I'm really experiencing this notion of like being wild and ugly and like you look at nature and there's violence exactly and, and sex and like ugliness exactly. and decay um shit and, it's, and the whole the exactly. whole the whole thing yeah, yeah. and i think it's interesting because i think women biologically are closer to that nature yeah you know um but we're not allowed we're, we're supposed to pretend that we're not well, we really are actually by bleeding yeah Birth, giving birth is a whole visceral, messy arrangement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By nature, that's true. We are so close. Um, yeah. Aging is a whole nother event, <laughs> which um, 
it's still I still have so many traces of that attachment to, to image and um, currently my I'm losing hair right left and everywhere and it's like oh damn but every now and then I think you said something about just a moment ago about playing with being ugly so like uh, yesterday when I washed my hair I just thought fuck it I'm not gonna put any product on at all and see what happens and then I had to look at myself and it was like not good you know so it's just a it's a it's an ongoing process but I long to and you just gave me an incentive I think when when you said about women woman and nature and the messiness and the and the uh, de- no what's I don't want to use the word degradation but the decomposition mm-hmm. that is I am a part of nature in that regard and I of course loving trees as I do and the dirt you know it's I can if I can slip into that more I will be more comfortable yeah and that will be good mm-hmm. thank you yeah yeah thank you this is how we co-create right yeah yeah it absolutely is man yeah when I was joking about living inside of a hollowed out log <laughs> like I genuinely when I feel affectionate towards myself it's really not in any sort of like human form uh-huh. I'm like when I am my most creature I have just crawled out of a log and my hair's a mess and I have a snaggle tooth. Like, that is my inner yuck that I just love so much. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Like, that is my wild little. And I picture little. I mean, the inside of a log is just rife with life, Mm -hmm. you know, and all manner of creature. And uh, I have come lately to. I've always. I'm always saving life. And um, I have a funny story to share. But anyway, for some reason, every now and again, these little teeny weensy weensy ants come. You may even find one. I don't know where they come from, but <laughs> I'll save them, put them outside. But I had um, about a couple of weeks ago, I had a fly that came in, and it's unusual. But this fly came in and, and kept going to the window, and, and it was, I thought, well, maybe I'll put it outside, but it was when it was so fucking cold. Mm. So I checked the temperature on my on my phone, and I think, I can't put that fly outside now. It's just too cold. It'll freeze like that. Yeah. And so I waited till the temperature got past freezing, like up to 38. And I, I gathered the fly in a jar, you know, glass, and I put the paper under, and I took it. I opened the door, and I put it outside on, into, the, into the rhododendron bush because I felt it would be protected. And I, and I turned around to come in, and the fly just beat me back inside. <laughs> it's like, I want to be in your house. Yeah. And so it probably demise. It's dead somewhere in food for something else, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I really love all of the living things mm-hmm. and the inanimate as well because I think they have life. I told you about the rock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I had a fly in my house. I don't know how he, how he got in yeah. there. He told me his name is Bertram. Yeah. And he was in my home. I live on the third floor of an apartment building. Like, he must have... Yes. Isn't that so... I don't know. Isn't that like, wonderful? Yeah, and I, I I, didn't, like, I think I accident. I didn't, like, crush him, but he was, yeah. like, around my face, and I went like that, and I think I smacked him, and then I was like, oh, my God. And then I was Googling, like, can flies, do flies feel pain? And then I eventually learned that they, like, sleep and dream in a way that's kind of similar to human beings. And I was really? like, okay, well, you're you're going to have to pay me rent because I'm not kicking you out. Exactly. Because dreams. Okay, there. My so, flies, Harold. Harold has has found his end here, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, Bertram has his yes. well. 
Isn't that delightful? Yeah. And there was a phase in college where we, it was kind of, it wasn't a high-rise building, but it was, you know, multi-story, yeah. like, um, sort of corporate-looking building. Mm-hmm. And there were, I would go into classrooms at before class and find ladybugs <gasps> inside, really? multiple oh. stories up. Like, did you take the elevator? How did you get in here? Right. And that happened really often and like it didn't now I don't know if it was like a me thing or if other people noticed but I'd be like there's another ladybug oh on the my ceiling. god are you seeing awesome. this yeah and there's a pattern there I mean I just I don't know what it is but it's mm-hmm. clearly true <laughs> yeah yeah, I love. Yeah, I prefer to make a deal with the bugs in my house. Yeah, me too. You know, you can stay in that corner, eat whatever you want, just stay away from my bath towel right. and my sleeping body, right. and exactly. we won't have a problem. Right. I do. If if there are hordes of ants, as happens now and again, I do. Research, I do kill, and yeah. I, I I don't feel good about it, and I oh, me and I speak to them, but that's what I do. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Uh, this comes in as an errant thought. Do you happen to have a round tarot deck? The, the yes. feminine. De- I have a I have a round tarot. Well, it's not. It's an oracle deck, um, and it's based off of um, archetypes. Oh okay. Yeah, I think it's called the. Oh man, I'll look it up. It's wild something. Yeah. Um, I had my I had one that I used for years, and I don't have. I can't. I, I don't have it anymore. It may be in a box somewhere, but I, um, I have the runes. Is what I've been working with. Uh, Ooh, yeah. I just got some runes. Did you? Um, I we're still getting to know each other. Yeah. Wild unknown archetypes deck. Yeah, that's not the one. That's not the one. But somehow I just figured. I don't know what we're. Maybe we're you're talking about the Reiki energy or something, but the roundness of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I work with tarot. Something that came up a while ago, I talked about it with another friend, but this idea that um, I pulled the magician card during, I can't remember if it was a new moon or a full moon, but um, I like to do a mind, body, spirit mm-hmm. pull. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I want to say it was for body, um, pull the magician reverse, which I read as like internal forces rather than things coming oh, okay. to me from the external uh-huh. um and i like i found this book on the side of the road about the tarot and so i was reading the section and it was like um when we like recognize our programming and our our habits and we do the opposite oh. of our habitual programming like that is alchemy Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, and that really struck a chord, and I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Yeah. Um, and it's no wonder that I'm so exhausted all the time. Well, exactly. <laughs> it feels like I'm not doing anything. Oh. But I, when I, I'm going to work on giving myself credit. My therapist is always like, you good. don't give yourself enough credit. I'm always working so hard. Like, yeah. a lot of my energy goes to, to thinking through things. Um, which is helpful to an extent. The Akashic reader told me I need, I can't, you gotta, she said you have to heal through breath, play, and touch. Like, I can't keep trying to think no. to fix things, no. you know? But, right. yeah, uh, so much of my being is just 
figuring out my being. Well, and I think alchemical change is is a lot of energy work. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about think about it. Just I love the, the whole idea of alchemy. I just it just fascinates the hell out of me. In any case, but like many things, I just dabble in this. You know, I dabble and then I I let it sort of sink in, and that's fine. It's there inside me, but. Um, well, you know, think literally about transforming one thing to another. That takes energy. It's mm -hmm. a huge amount, I think. So, no wonder you're tired. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. I'm exhausted all the time, and I'm really hard on myself about it. Huh. Um, I think, I don't know, this whole journey of being unemployed, I feel, is coming to an end soon oh really um yeah the whole like vet experience really knocked me back a little bit um as far as savings goes tell me about that i don't know what you're talking about vet? Uh, yeah with when bucket got sick last week oh oh excuse yeah. me the, i misunderstood you no, i was okay. yeah um, of course yeah so that was um, oh yes i wondered about that how mm -hmm. you were managing that um this experience with bucket dying was mm like a microcosm of things that I worry about all the time. You know, I really put off my own health because I have this fear of scarcity, like, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and uh, even though deep inside of me I trust that what I need will be provided mm -hmm. for me, everything I need is within me, and if I lean into that, like, I won't, I'll be okay. Yeah. Um, no matter what that looks like, you know. Um, so I was like really faced with, well, this is an emergency. I'm, I'm being shown that I have the resources to take care of this in a compassionate way. Um, and then take care of my other rats because she had, it was a respiratory event, like her and one of the other rats, Chunk, were, they had like sneezing and, oh, yeah. and coughing and stuff, and rats are very prone to respiratory infections oh, and did. things well, like that. Know. Yeah. yeah, they're very sensitive there. So so I had them treated, but then like I didn't get to finish their full course of antibiotics because I didn't have enough, and it was a whole thing, and it just kind of happened out of nowhere. Um, really brutal, and it's still fucking with me, man. Um, yeah. But there was something really holy about it, you know? I took her to the emergency vet. They really didn't do much for her. Yeah, they gave her oxygen, and so she was, she seemed to be a little better for maybe five minutes, but mm. by the time I got her home, she was like gasping again. Oh, jeez. Yeah, oh, it was really sweetheart. horrible. And she was cold. Oh, honey. And so I, I set her up, like I got out towels and, um, the heating pad and blankets and stuff and yeah. I was just like I'm just gonna be with you because I didn't want to put her back in the cage right. I'm sure like Moish is a fiend she's insane I don't I think they're very intuitive animals but I don't think they would have had the capacity to be like you need to not be messed right. with you know right. Right. Um, and so I kept her out of out of the cage and just with me all night and this was the first time that she really let me hold her mm -hmm. and pet her and um, neither of us really, I mean, I'm sure she went in and out of it. I was doing Reiki on her and mm -hmm. petting her. And 
she would have these moments where she would like I don't know if she's having panic or what um, but she would like suddenly like wake up and move really fast and then settle up somewhere and so it was really like we were dozing and we were listening to Ram Dass and just sort of like I had the lights down low and I was just like I'm gonna be here with you and if you're gonna go like you're gonna go right that's okay you know um and there was something really holy about that it was stillness it was presence you know um it was being comfortable with death yeah you know and then I found a vet the next day and they were like it's not looking great Mm -hmm. um we can try to treat her with oxygen all day and then you know send you home with a lot of meds but I don't know if she'll recover right and I just didn't you know if it had been pain or something that was manageable to keep her comfortable I could take her home and she could die comfortably with her sisters and stuff that would have been a whole nother thing but she was turning blue in my hands. Oh, my God, Bianca. I, I know. And I was like, even if she does recover, like, her brain is not going to be it. right. It's Migo. Yeah. And so I knew, like, it was the compassionate thing. And I was like, I insist on being there. I'm going to take her body home. Her yeah. sisters need to see her. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was very dry, super traumatic. I have, haven't really been sleeping well. When I do, I have oh. weird dreams right. about my rats, like strange intrusive thoughts about hurting them. And yes. like, it's just, it's really messed with my brain. But I think I, it was very centering. It was very grounding, this sudden loss, like having to hmm. use my practice and trust it and be comfortable with death and have compassion for myself and her yes and call in spirit guides to be with us while she was dying right. and and you did I did you did it all yeah yeah um and commendable thank you and it was very hard and then I got home and I it was really hard for me to let my friends take care of me they mm-hmm. did my dishes and they and they took out my trash and like I didn't, I had been awake all night and like weeping uncontrollably, so I was exhausted. So there was a part of me that was just like, what can you do? Like, you don't, they're here because they love you. You don't have to earn it Yeah. after, you yeah. know? Like, this is what, Aww. this is what friendship is. We God. help each other move. We watch each other's house plans, you know? We, what a huge experience. Yeah, yeah. And then, For weeks beforehand, I'd really been ignoring my needs by scrolling or Mm. being on the internet and stuff. It's a very um, comfortable place. Like, you know, it's not not serving me. Right. Um, But it's habitual, you know, and I really was like, I don't know what I'm going to do to shake myself out of that. And afterwards, like, there was nothing from, like... No sound felt right. Wow. Nothing felt good except to just lay down and be yeah. with myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was very grounding in yes. that sense as well. And then it's really brought me and the other two rats much, much closer. Because um, I'm, like, very worried about them. And I'm always like, are you breathing? Are you breathing? Yeah. Did you sneeze? Are you okay? <laughs> You're okay. Um, but we've really, like, I brought her body home and I was, like, they need to understand what happened and so I held her yeah. in front of the cage so they could like sniff her and stuff and Mush seemed to 
Mushin Chunk. Those are yeah. And Chunk is the one that doesn't have much compassion. No, that was the other. Uh, they both have a lot oh. of compassion. They're very loving beings. Mush is a little strange in the head. Okay. Um, she's I think part fae. Um, oh really? And so she looks very weird, and she just really is cold. like. Her energy is crazy. I love talking about them. They're like, all of her energy is stored in her butt, and she'll come up and bite me on the sock, and I'll like tickle her on the back, and then she'll run away really Uh fast. When she wants to play, she'll go up to the other rats and just go like this, like in front of them. I've never had a rat like her. This is crazy. Um, But she's so sweet and so smart. They both are. Um, but I, I held her out and she like sniffed her all over and sort of like Wonderful. climbed out and stood on her and could like tell something was strange. But Chunk, I, I like showed Chunk and Chunk smelled her and I could, uh, there was just this shift, like they understood. Yeah. And Chunk like tugged on her ear and I was like, be gentle. And then she turned to Mush and tugged on her ear. And then she grabbed my sleeve and pulled it into the cage. Oh my god. And I've never seen her do anything like that before. Oh, that's amazing. Like she, yeah. It was really something to witness, and I was so sad, and I felt like we were oh, all yeah. like, experiencing this together. And then yeah. um, I painted a little soda can box and with her name on it, put some flowers yeah, in there, yeah. and placed it on my altar for a few hours, yeah. and then... Yeah, it was and I wondered, may I ask then, did you bury her or? Um, I sent her for cremation. I yes, I did that. Yeah. With Nico. Um, because you know I don't have a backyard or anything. No, I thought not, but I was curious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I sent her for cremation. I took her back to the vet that had you know cared for her and euthanized mm-hmm. her, and I took the other two to make sure that they were healthy as well, since it may have been some exactly, kind of virus exactly. or something. Um, so we all got checked out and. Um, I don't know if you'll think this is funny, but they're all hairless rats, uh-huh. um, and they they took her body for cremation. They were very loving. They took great care of her and us and me, and were super supportive. And they were like, "Here, we took her little paw prints for you yesterday. They gave yes. me a lovely little painted thing yes. and a paper that said that I was getting her cremated, and that I got um, the paw prints and a fur clipping." Right. Or oh, you and did take. I was yeah. like. Uh, I didn't get a fur clipping and the poor receptionist was like oh my god do you want I can go get one for you and I was like I'm just kidding they don't have it (laughs) it's fine (laughs) she's like wow you really got me that's hilarious so good great I mean not but really yeah (laughs) a little levity there yeah you gotta find a sense of humor about things so oh my god yeah oh goodness mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we've been hanging out. I brought them very close. Like, they used to really sit in one spot in uh-huh. the house, you know, and I'd let them out and they could run around and stuff. But right. now they kind of, their whole cage goes where I go. And so I can Good. keep an eye on them. And um, we've really taken to, they're potty trained. They're very smart. Oh, I guess. I'm gathering that. Yeah. I know nothing about. Oh, they're like tiny dogs, honestly. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I look forward to meeting them someday. Yeah, so. they're perfect. Okay. Um, so I'll like keep their cage next to my bed and open their okay. door so it makes like a little bridge. And so we have rat time in oh, the evenings man. and they run around on my bed. And then in the mornings I'll open it again and I swear Mush is waiting for me. I roll over and she's staring at me. <laughs> and so I let them out and she plays this game where she goes under the covers and she bites my toes oh, very I, gently oh, you know and precious. I like nudge her and she'll you know fine and that's how we wake up 
and it's just it's very that is so sweet yeah so beautiful I just love that you're inter to know that you're interacting with first with flies of course and, mm -hmm. and the ladybugs you know and that somehow they came up all those however the hell they got there yeah they were there for you they're together for each other and that you have this relationship with your hairless rats I of know. all things they're right? so yucky I love them so much <laughs> there's this song called the luckiest by okay. Ben Folds it's a really beautiful song um, but I wasn't even listening to it. But it came to me the other day, the yuckiest. <laughs> and so I started rewriting that song to be about the rats. Yeah. And I was uh, made myself laugh so hard. <laughs> I'll sing it for you later. Okay. It's uh, really something. But they're like, that's another part of like acknowledging what is exact unattractive. Exactly. Like, they're hairless. Yeah. They're exactly. stinky sometimes. They bite me, and I love them so much. Yeah. And so I really think it's been very healing to, in the same sentence, be like, you're so gross, I love you so exactly. much. Exactly. You're so beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's all happening at once, right there. And yeah. isn't that sort of like shedding your uh, puberty, or all of, I mean, it's just like rearranging all of that? Yeah. You know, wait, wait, should you become a mom to human children, mm -hmm. it's going to be great. They're going to benefit so much by your exploration. Mm. I mean, really, that's how it looks to me. I yeah. mean, I can speak from my level of experience. I mean, two adult children, right? One of whom you got to meet. I'm so glad. Je Jeff is just the gentlest nature. Mm. Oh, my God. He seems really sweet. He is a good... He's good. We were together in the hospital uh, for a month before he was born because I had placenta previa. Mm. And it was just he and I, and I was tendered. Uh, so he... And he's a different nature than my daughter altogether, naturally, inherently, but... I think that that provided a, a good jumping off place, so to speak, to come into this, you know, this reality. So anyway, um, but getting back to your, to your friends, your dear, dear friends, that's fabulous. I love the story. I love hearing about it. Thank you. Well done. Yeah, they're so smart. We started clicker training again last night. They like uh -huh. to learn tricks. We're working on stand tall. And they Get stand out. up on their little feet. No. And Mush knows her name. Um, she'll still ignore me when I say, don't go in the couch, Mush. She'll yeah. do it anyway. Um, but, yeah, they're amazing. And they have such wonderful personalities. And they're so funny. Mm. And so loving. And it's like, you are a rodent. And you are looking me in the eyes. And I know that you love me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know with this... This this is my this is my amigo and mm -hmm. um, I just know there's the, the the eyes is what triggered me for saying that because I'll just sit you know and know that there is a connection yeah one thing I worry about though with Migo if I'm holding his I'm trying to to sense has he left I think it's so strange because I don't want to hold him back mm -hmm. spirit. At the same time, I need to have him near still, mm -hmm. maybe forever. So I've come to just let it be both, I guess. But clearly, I have some things or angst over it, some sadness still, you know. Yeah. But anyway, that's how it goes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I imagine that he is in essence in here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think animals, especially, can be held back. You know, ah, 
I don't think that they're the type of beings that have like unfinished oh, I business. Oh, that's, that's a good point. You know, I think I definitely, I have a childhood dog, this giant white German shepherd named Argus, who I feel is still one of my guides, you know, ah. but I feel that they come back for the joy of it. Yeah. You know. Good, good, good input for they're me. They're all just around in there, you know, and if they come back, yeah. it's... Well, I've asked him, I, I, when my mom died, she, both my parents lived to be 93, and I was very close to my mom at the end for a couple, couple of years. And um, so I, I, ever since I've been a child, I've starlight, star bright, done that wish. And um, after my mom died, I asked, I really wanted her to be there when I cross over, you know, mm-hmm. and so now I do that with Migo, with the stars at night. So I do know that he's gone. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's not like a big mystery. It's just I know he's gone, but yeah, they're, they they don't have the, the garbage that holds them. Right. Yeah. There's something, um, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it really resonated with me, this other podcast that I really love. Uh, Pete Holmes, a comedian, and his wife will just chat. Um, and they had this conversation. They were talking about a friend of theirs who had had an ayahuasca trip, and she had come back with this message that's like, we are here to be someone, like some of the one. And oh. we are here to be awesome, some of the awe, you know. Oh, and beautiful. So Ooh. Once we're not someone some anymore, one. we are the one, and there is no oh, that's separation fabulous. anymore, you know. And so, yeah, yeah, it was like, be someone, some of the one, be awesome. Like, be your weird be exactly. self, because that is some of the awe, you know. It is. That's, that's great. Yeah, I really That's it. another. I'll tuck that one in. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a really good. Someone and awesome. Yeah. Because I do. I mean, that's. I'm so clear of being. A piece of all. Mm-hmm. You know, a part of all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> well, this has been so wonderful. I'm so thankful to have you in my life. I'm so glad to know you. I'm so proud to know you. Thanks for chatting with me. Oh, Bianca, thank you. I was delighted when you asked me. I had no, I, I would never in a, I had never even entertained this as, as a fantasy. Mm. And when you asked me that, I just bubbled. I just felt so um, uh, enlightened and bubbly and happy. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Thank you for, for recognizing something in me that you want to know better. Yeah, you, I, I think you're so cool. I appreciate that so much because that that I do, the sharing that I do at our, at our meditation, it's still, I, I feel I have this weirdness and, um, and words, I, I've worked hard to not have to censor every word that comes out of my mouth. So in that group, I feel freer than ever to just blah, you know, let it spill out. Yeah. So that you then invited me back. It's just wonderful. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Okay. Anytime. Okay. All right. Bye, friends.